0: You're listening to the Vineyard Milwaukee Podcast. For more information about Vineyard Milwaukee, go to vineyardmilwaukee.com. Now here's our podcast. Um, So I'm just curious, how many of you, I mean, Rebecca just talked about the book, and I'm going to talk about the book again, but uh, I'm going to guess I probably know the answer to this, but how many of you have experienced Lent before? Raise your hand. Okay, so in some capacity, everyone here has experienced Lent. All right, maybe, well, maybe not. I didn't see everybody's hands go up. So, okay, so there are some people that might not know. Even if you've experienced Lent, how many people really feel they have a good understanding of what Lent is? I say, okay, so I don't know, like, like where did it come from? Why do we do it? Like, those kind of questions. So I, I just want to sort of start today's talk to kind of give a little bit as a basic overview of what we're talking about. Like, what are, what are we doing in 40 days? Why 40 days? Why are we doing it? You know, uh, I, I do it because I've, I've been told to do this thing. Rather than do that, let's actually figure out, like, why we did it. So Lent is, uh, welcome to Lent, everybody. You're in it, all right? And anyone um, is in it, here's how I started. Basically this, in uh, 325 A.D., There was this council in Nicaea in Turkey. Okay, they sort of—I'm going to give you the the basic, like, baseline kindergarten version of this. But basically, Constantine sort of brought all these people together and said, "Hey, listen, we need to figure out. Like, let's get on the same page about Christianity and what it is." And so they came together and they decided a few things. And basically, this council—it was like the first ecumenical group that got together to write up an agreement or an understanding of what Christian church should be and should follow. Um, It was during that time, there was this practice of fast that came about for Lent. It finds its beginnings and, and as they gathered together, they found that beginning of that fast, that journey that Jesus took to the desert to fast and pray for 40 days and nights in preparation of the beginning of his public ministry. So that group got together and they said, "Oh." Forty days, forty nights. Jesus went into the wilderness and he fasted. And so, what we're going to do for the forty days of Lent are going to be sort of an imitation of Christ's time in the desert. During Lent, the Christians walk into the desert with Christ and fast, so as to have the strength to avoid temptation, to uh, avoid temptation with the help of God's grace. So, like in Matthew, four, chapter four, verses one. 1- through 2 it says this then jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil after fasting 40 days and 40 nights he was hungry i love that and that that last line is always great like of course he was hungry he didn't eat for 40 days like, he was hungry, right? But he went through this desert. He went through this desert, he went through the, you know, this desert with, with Satan, fasted 40 days. And so that's where we pull sort of this 40 days is that Lent is a, a season for us to journey the giving up of something as we move towards the cross. And so we try to actually move towards the cross with Jesus by, by giving up. He gave up his life. We're giving up something, Right? And then we're rejoicing at Easter. And that is the most basic definition I could ever give, okay? So we give up something. So what do we give up? What do we give up? So I have some, I did some searches, all right? So the twi- there's a Twitter Lent tracker. Yes, Twitter is tracking uh, the Lent tweets to see, like, who is giving up what. And they sort of categorize it. It's It's uh, categorized by the group called openbible.info, and they categorized, uh, and then they they did specific things too. So what do you think the number one category that Americans give up during Lent? Food, right, absolutely. Food is the number one, ding, 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 well done. Um, The second is technology, and the third is smoking, drugs, and alcohol. So those are the three categories that people usually will tweet about saying that they're giving up for Lent. Uh, now, let's, let's, I'm going to give you the top 10 individual items, okay? Number 10 is men. People are giving up men for Lent. Anybody here giving up men for Lent? No? Okay. Men, you're in good shape. <laughs> uh, number nine was drinking water. Water, there are going to be a lot of dehydrated folks out there. Okay, number eight is soda, seven is coffee, I've done that one, I've tried to give up coffee for Lent once. Six was swearing, Um, five is chocolate, I thought that would be way higher, right? How many of you have ever given up chocolate for Lent? Only us? Just a couple of us? Wow, I'm surprised. Okay, Um, number four, Uh, to give up Lent, they're going to give up Lent. I'm giving up Lent for Lent. It's kind of silly, but I can't believe that was number four on the list. Um, number three is social networking. How many of have done social? Yeah, yeah, that's usually a popular one. Uh, and number two was alcohol. And the number one tweet this year that is giving up for Lent is actually Twitter. They're giving up Twitter. So, yeah, makes sense, right? But Lent is often looked at as a project. I don't know if you've looked at it that way, but, you know, it's often looked at as a project. There is a start date, and there is an end date. And then at the end, there's an evaluation. How did you do? Did you give up that thing truly for 40 days, or did you sample that chocolate, you know, at some point? Or did you go on and not, not update your status on Facebook, but you definitely scrolled through a few times, right? Um, you evaluate, and then, oh, I did it. I made it all the way through the 40 days. Look at me. I'm great, right? There's an evaluation. It's looked at as a project sometimes. I, I should have, I you know, you, sometimes you evaluate and you think, I should have picked something easier. Or you start to feel bad about yourself, right? I'm a terrible Christian. I couldn't make it 40 days. Um, I didn't lose my weight fast enough, so I gave up on Lent. Anyone ever say that? I don't know about you, but, like, most of my things that I've given up Lent, uh, given up for for Lent, is usually had to do with my weight. Like, I want to lose some weight. Lent's coming up. Like, why not? There's a perfect marriage. I'll, like, fast carbs, you know, and, and get in shape at the same time. And then I usually fail miserably at it because I'm kind of going into it, looking at it from a different perspective. I'm looking at it from a project perspective. Um, in many, in my experience, Lent as a project lacks uh, it lacks the impact that Lent is supposed to have. It becomes a project. Giving up meat is a very common one, or apparently men. But um, it becomes less about the journey. It becomes less about the journey. This year, Rebecca already talked about it, and she took the book, but I was, gonna, I thought, I was hoping she was going to leave it because I was going to show it again. Um, I, I want to I encourage you to get the book. Um, the book, 40 Days of Decrease, by Alicia Britt uh, Chale, I think that's how you say her name. Um, Encourage you to get the book, and we're hoping to do this as a community that we can experience the journey of Lent together in a really impactful way. Not just doing it as a project, but something that will actually truly impact us. Think of Lent as like a sojourn or a place to stay, to be present. Be present, not productive. Uh, one of the things that she says in the book, she says, to abandon the world's illusions, embrace his kingdom realities, and journey crossward and beyond. Every day, this little book is going to invite you into a daily fast to decrease things like regrets, trying to fix everything, avoidance, spectatorship, comparisons, withholding, God as a job, and there's like 33 more, okay? And... We're not not asking you to go through and I'm going to pick this one and do it every day or take time to journey with it. If you get God's moving on one of those topics with you, hang there for a little bit. Journey it forward. Don't judge yourself. It's not a project. Spend time and journey with God through the process. We want to spend some time with with these topics and, and to be present to a decrease in the things like regrets and an increase in God's kingdom in our life. Today what I want to look at, is I want to look at a verse in John, uh, chapter 12, verses 12 through 19. And I want to read it to you, and I want to read it slowly. We practice this sometimes, we practice slow reading. So we kind of put ourselves in the story, use our imagination, I know some of you are like, imagination, here we go again. Yes, imagination, you're gonna use your imagination. Put yourself in the text. Imagine it being played as a movie in your head. And, in, and, and enter in. Enter into Scripture. Make it live for you. Okay? So I'm going to read. Go ahead and get in yourself in a nice posture where you can use your imagination. No distractions. Put your phones away. I feel like I'm talking. I was with teens last weekend, so like, that's like the big thing. Put your phones away. Um, okay. I'm going to read the text. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches, and they went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, as it is written, do not be afraid, daughter Zion; see your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first his disciples did not understand all this, only after Jesus was glorified did he realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had done to him had been done to him. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word many people because they had heard he had performed this sign went out to meet him so the pharisees said to one another see this is getting us nowhere look how the world the whole world has gone after him now stay in that posture and i want to read it one more time At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did he realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. Now when I read that, I was struck by the Pharisees. You might have been... Hold on to whatever nugget God might have been putting in your soul when we read that. Hold on to that. I just want to share... When I read it the first time, what hit me was the Pharisees at the very end. See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. I think the Pharisees had some regrets. I think the Pharisees had some regrets. Regrets are, it's a feeling of sadness, a repentance, or disappointment over something that has happened or has been done. Regret's an emotional response to a past action, decision, or event that one believes could have been handled differently, resulting in, like, a better outcome. Regret can, can be caused by several different factors, right? So one of it is, like, a lack of information, right? You can have regrets because I, I made a poor decision because I didn't have all the information, right? I think, I think some of the Pharisees might be in that boat. Like, they didn't, they didn't quite have all the information about Jesus, and they regret, like, man, I, I wish I followed him, right? I wish I, I wish I had made a change. I wish I had, I mean, I, I heard a little bit about him, but I didn't do my own investigation, and I didn't have all the information. And I could have actually, you know, been one of his disciples, and I've got some regrets. There's missed opportunities sometimes leads to regret. Opportunities that were, were not seized when they presented themselves can lead to regret, Right? Oh, how, like, the, the opportunities the Pharisees must have had. Like, some of them were, like, following Jesus around. But, like, we're stuck in this sort of, like, ah, oh, no, I, I, I wish I would have jumped in and just followed him, and I didn't do it. Right? Missed opportunity. There's, there's unrealistic expectations with regret. Setting unrealistic expectations for oneself or others can lead to regret. When these expectations are not met, one may feel disappointed or regretful. I can imagine the Pharisees feeling some of that. You know, they had uh, unrealistic expectations that they've sort of created that what the Messiah should look like. And it, Jesus, right in front of them, <laughs> didn't fit their expectations, what they wanted. There's a lack of self-awareness. Making a decision without being fully aware of one's values or goals or priorities can lead to regret. When one realizes that their decisions are not aligned with their values and goals, they may feel regretful. You know, with the Pharisees, the, the very thing that they valued was right in front of them, but they weren't aware of it at all. There's external pressure when we deal with regret, right? Right? Making a decision based on extreme pressure, such as social norms or expectations of others, I guarantee you some of the Pharisees felt that, right? You know, some of the higher-ups are like, hey, no, that's not the Messiah. Just, Just stick with the plan. Stick with the plan. Overall, regret can be caused by a variety of factors. But it often arises when one feels that they could have made a better decision or taken a different action that would have led to a better outcome. We all have regret. Is there anyone in this room has never had anything they've regretted? No. You've all regretted something. We, we all regret something. But the problem is, with regret, is that we hold on to it. We hold on to regret. We let it consume us. And the worst thing is that we get stuck in regret. Regret is something you carry with you. You have it. It happens. It always happens. For me, like multiple times a day, I regret things that I say, things that I do, things that I say again. But the issue is you can become in bondage to it when you let it consume you and it it affects every step going forward. Every step going forward. You get stuck. And I think some of the Pharisees get stuck. They get stuck in their regret. I honestly think there's Pharisees that were hanging out, and they're going, man, I would really like to follow Jesus. I regret all these, you know, uh, opportunities I missed. I was misinformed. I was feeling pressure. But now I'm stubborn, and it's too late for me. It's too late. I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm holding on to that regret. I'm just holding on to it. But I I need you to understand something. That you can release regret. You can release regret. And when you have it, you don't have to be stuck. And there are some examples of that in the Bible. What, imagine Peter. Peter, hanging out with Jesus, a disciple of Jesus. He's the dude. He denies Jesus three times. I don't even know who he is. Weren't you one of those followers? No, not me. Like, three times he denies him. He's got to be, like, dying inside. So full of regret that he did that, right? So full of regret. And now if Peter got stuck in his regret, we wouldn't have the church. Because later on, Jesus sees him, and he says, go build my church, right? We wouldn't have the church. Peter didn't get stuck in his regret. Paul, what about Paul? Paul was, like, murdering innocent Christians, right, Realizes what he's done. Imagine if he got stuck in his regret. We'd be more of a mess of a church without all those letters, right? We'd be a mess. He didn't get stuck in his regret. He was freed of that regret. He's freed of that regret. And that's what we want to do is we want to see a decrease in our regret that is keeping us in bondage over this Lent season, over these next 40 days. As regret bubbles up in you, I want to encourage you to give it to God. I want to encourage you to go, hey, this regret, I I messed up. I made a poor decision. But I want you to release that to God and let him take on that regret. So we decrease that in our lives, and then we take on the kingdom of God. Why don't we stand? We want to create space over... This Lenten season, so create space to decrease the power of regret, take space to increase God's presence. So we're just going to take a, just a like sixty seconds and just just get quiet before the Lord, and I just want you to ask Him if, if, to to sort of reveal any regret that's got you captivated, any regret that's just got you in prison. That is consuming you. Mistake, a missed opportunity that you just let hold on to you, and it's dictating your every move. Ask him to reveal what that is. I'm we'll just going to get 60 seconds just to be quiet. So I, I really feel like there's at least, like, three people in the room that something significant came up in your mind that you regret that is really, like, it is weighing you down. It is weighing you down, and, and, and it has to do with loss. And there's just, like, this major regret. And it has to do with loss. And what I want to do is I want to invite you to get prayer today. Um, if, if that's you, um, we'll have a prayer team to my left. You're right in the back. Um, I, I would love for you to get prayer today. Um, yeah. And then I think there's others of you that, that there's things that bubble up too, But there was specifically... I felt like there was three people in the room that has to, their regret has to do with a, a loss. And and God wants to actually take that and wants to bring some healing and free you of that. There's real freedom in that. Uh, and then there's others I think that, I, I definitely think there's more of you that that there's something that popped in your head that God wants to also do the same thing. He wants to remove that. He wants to literally just... Come in and heal and gently be present with you. And just be present with you. Yeah. Yeah. Let's worship. Let's worship. Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Milwaukee podcast. For more information, go to vineyardmilwaukee.com.